Hi, this is Greg Lamberson, and you are listening to Without Your Head. And I have a long history of film without heads. We have no head in Slime City. We have no head in Killer Rack. And we have no head in Johnny Gruesome's. Check out all those headless films. Station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal. I'm Treacherous Tristan. And we're joined by uh, director Tilke Hill and writer and lead Aaron Krieger of Hi. Rust Belt Driller. And if there is ever a movie that deserves to be a midnight movie, it is Rust Belt Driller. Thank you. <laughs> very fitting. It's very fitting. It's hard to even explain what the movie is, is about. I don't know what it's about. Do you, Aaron? Um, considering it came from my head, no. <laughs> I should add midnight movie of Dance of the Film uh, Festival coming up on uh, the twenty seventh in LA. Absolutely, it's yeah. very cool. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna actually play, and I'm just getting this in because uh, I might forget. It's playing on my birthday. Oh, really? Well, happy birthday, August twenty seventh. Thank you so much. That's and a fitting birthday present. Right? Absolutely. Um, so it's playing at 11.55 at the Dances with Films Festival. And uh, yeah, I think this is our, our world premiere, right? Yeah. Oh, very cool. Absolutely. So yeah. it'll be my first time seeing it on a big screen, not just, you know, on my somewhat decent size. <laughs> right. Oh, so you're going to be in attendance? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, oh, we'll awesome. be out there. Yeah, we'll be out there. Oh, very cool. So the first time seeing with an audience then, too. Have you seen it with, like, a a cast and crew audience? No, we haven't done anything like that. We were going to, 
Uh, and then we wanted to just be careful for like local stuff with the, with the local Buffalo festival as well. And, um, you know, we've screened it for some people, you know, like my dad's seen it, a couple of other people like that have seen it for some feedback and stuff like that, but we haven't done, we haven't done anything quite like that yet. So once this is done, we'll, we'll probably get that going. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you said local Buffalo uh, festival, would that be Buffalo dreams? No, uh, the Buffalo international film. Oh, okay. Festival. Beth, yeah. Greg Lamberson's Buffalo Dreams, which is another awesome, awesome group. I actually just worked with Greg on the film that he just wrapped, Guns of Eden. I had a small yeah. part of that. I so. noticed that. It was very cool, actually. I know uh, we both knew Greg a little bit, and uh, I've yeah. been to B- Buffalo a bunch of times. Awesome. 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 Okay. Yeah. And uh, first, right at the bat, I don't think uh, Rust Belt Driller is necessary for everybody, but it's definitely my kind of movie. And I knew right away at one of the first bits of dialogue was I'll tell you what you know about paint, nothing. And your delivery, I was like, oh, this is a movie for me. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, thank you. That's great. That's great. If I if I had a nickel for every time for my first sentence did something special for somebody, you'd be the first. You'd have <laughs> a nickel. Well, it's very fitting for Buffalo. You get a Buffalo nickel. And- there you go. There you go. See, it all, it all comes around. Right. All comes around. Now, had you two worked together before? Oh yes. Uh, I'll let Aaron Aaron take this away. He has it down. He has it. He has the monologue wrote. Yeah. yeah. So we. So Tilke uh, is also a native of Western New York, and she had gone uh, west for quite a while to pursue craft, dream, and everything else. And then, for um, a myriad of reasons, she came back, and so. Um, you know, I was at the time I was pretty involved in the Buffalo theater scene as well. And so we connected and then we ended up connecting, not only working together on one project, we worked on three projects in the same season together and back to back to back. Typically theater, theater season here runs in when the world isn't blowing up around us from about September to June. And then there's like Shakespeare in the park and some specific summer stuff. But, uh, yeah, we literally worked together for like six months straight. Um, we did, um, what do we do? We did, um, we did a murder mystery, like a world premiere murder mystery play. That was kind of like a whodunit, kind of like a clue kind of thing. Um, and then we did cowboy mouth by Sam Shepard. And then we did a and Neil Patty Smith. Play. I will. Right. Say and wrote it that's together. right. Sam Shepard and Patty Smith. She also wrote it with him. Uh, and then, uh, the Neil Simon play that I can never remember the name of, but we went to, uh, we went from being in kind of like a, you know, oh, whodunit to me calling Tilkey uh, a myriad of colorful names to being part of like a dis- dysfunctional family at a dinner theater. So the way that I always tell people our story is, you know, when you've done that much together and that much variety, and I've called her every four letter word and then some in the book, you're either bonded for life or one of you is going to be dead. So here we are. <laughs> I'm glad so. it worked out for, for the better. Absolutely. And, um, you know, Tilki, you know, when this project was coming together, uh, pre-production was only four months. So, you know, it's pretty quick. And uh, Dave Williams couldn't be with us here tonight. And I were pretty much pre-production, just the two of us. And then Tilki jumped in and also really helped that along. She was our acting coach, intimacy coordinator, co-director. She, she helped produce. She ended up just taking cameras and doing second unit stuff, like all the stuff that you'll see in the film through the hallways and all that kind of thing that like that just wouldn't have happened without her. And we've done a couple other things together over the years, but um, you know, she was immediately 
on my mind when it came to who else can we get involved with this. And, uh, you know, so grateful, so grateful for all of that 100%. So it's a, you know, like I mentioned, it's a weird movie. So uh, Tilky, when you read the script, uh, what did you think, you know, could, could you really see what the movie would be from the script? Um, I really, I read it in what I, this is going to sound, this is going to reveal my mind. I was uh, struck by the, you know, Aaron and I really like absurd, the, you know, theater of the absurd. And so when I read it, I was like, oh yeah, like I was really digging this sort of like absurdist uh, tonal quality to it. And I could immediately see it visually. Like it didn't really take, you know, some things you kind of struggle to see visually, but I was like, oh, I can see this. And, you know, I was talking to Dave on the phone when he called me about the project and I was like, oh yeah, I think it's like this. So I felt pretty um, confident. And I, the reason why I'm saying you're going to like get into my mind a little bit and how crazy it is, is I was like, oh, there's some like hilarious things going on here, but only hilarious in the ways that like, um, American Psycho is hilarious, <laughs> like not necessarily hilarious, but like the, the absolute absurdity of it and the commentary on like life and, and just how crazy it is, like can sometimes be hilarious, not in a funny haha way necessarily. So, uh, but I think because Aaron and I are simpatico in like some of the the genres that we like and some of the storytelling that we like, you know, and having worked together, we, we know each other that it was it was not difficult for me to to read the script and see it sort of come off the page, even though it is really weird and wild. And as you say, maybe not for everyone. <sighs> Excuse me, but I have a spider here crawling on my. Uh, oh, on my save it! Yeah, I just kind of. We needed one of those in the movie. We didn't put one of those. In the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, can you talk about writing the the uh, the script? Like, uh, I hate to ask where it came from, but was there anything that it, that inspired it? She mentioned, um, uh, sure. Toki mentioned, uh, American Psycho, and that's an interesting uh, movie to mention because a lot of similar similarities, like things you know, people in your mind, you don't know. You know, sure. well, obviously, you know, some of it's not true. Sure. Absolutely. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I'm 39. So I'm at the end of the, uh, I'm at the end of this decade. And that's been a, it's been a challenging decade for me in a lot of ways with a lot of struggles and depression and, you know, a lot of issues that, you know, I'm certainly not the only person out there that deals with that. I'm very fortunate that I was able to get this out. Um, and, I'm, you know, I'll be honest, I've had a lot of anger about a lot of things. And, um, you know, this is kind of the way that I was able to kind of formulate that. And what was important was to be able to kind of get that out, but also to detach from it a little bit and still make a story out of it. You know what I mean? And um, so the origins of this, so Dave Williams and I, uh, we had both watched Driller Killer, which was on Prime last April. And I'm a big fan of Abel Ferraro with, uh, you know, Bad Lieutenant and his version of, of, you know, Body Snatchers, which I think is super underrated with Terry Kinney and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's that, and that's interesting because that's a story that's been done four times. 
And I think three of them are excellent. And even the last one is not bad. It's the most benign, but it's not bad. Like even the, even the modern one is not bad, but Abel Ferrara is so great. So I'm a huge fan of him. Um, and uh, so we watched it. And then, you know, the, what's interesting about Driller Killer is that it's technically it's in the public domain. They never re- renewed the copyright for it. And some guy, there was a guy that did a super ultra low budget kind of remake of it in Detroit. It's called like the Detroit Driller Killer or something like that. So I mentioned that to Dave and I said, you know, we could update this given everything with COVID, paranoia, isolation, just the way the world's working now. I mean, Afghanistan's done, right? In a month. I mean, like, you know, I mean, like, this is the craziness of what's going on August 17th, 2021. And of course, this was last year in 2020. So I said, you know, we could rework this and make it a modern story. And then as I kind of was sending him a little bit of the, of the initial work, um, you know, he said, you know, just to be safe or whatever, let's just kind of make it our own story a little bit. So we retained the concept, obviously, of the, the crazy artists. Uh, Pamela and Carol are the two female leads in Driller Killer. So there's an homage there. Um, and I'm a big fan of that. There's a lot of things throughout the movie. Um, there's a direct homage in the film to Cruising. There's an homage to Roy Batty from Blade Runner. There's an homage to the great anime Perfect Blue. Um, direct stuff from Videodrome, even the main character, Ren Maxwell, kind of a play on that. Um, you know, Sinister was a big influence, uh, Session 9. So, you know, I, I'm very proud of homaging things, taking inspiration from things, and, and giving credit to things that have really influenced me in movies that I can watch, you know, any day of the week. Um, you know, I, I love that. I love doing that. I think some people are hesitant about that, but I think that that's a great, I think that's a great way to go. I mean, you know, if you can pay homage to something and still make it your own and make it work. I think that that's, I think that's a great testament to film and what film can do for generations. Yeah. Interesting. I wrote down uh, when I was taking notes, uh, some things about driller killer, not just the drill part, but I always think one of the things that stands out to me about driller killer is it's very loud. And mm-hmm. some of the screams in uh, Russ uh, bell driller were very loud. And it kind of reminded me of a driller killer in that aspect. Yeah, our, our sound designer, uh, Andy Getting. I mean, first of all, the sound capture by our, our who was also our colorist, Steve Rosenthal. Um, you know, sound obviously can make or break a movie. You can cut something. You can work with a bad shot. Sound obviously is such an important thing. And they, you know, with Steve capturing everything just properly and then Andy really doing a number with the sound design. Yeah, that was kind of the whole point, you know, especially like with the drill. And it's just supposed to be this otherworldly embodiment, you know, of, of whatever it ends up becoming. So, yeah, that that definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Tristan, did you have a question? I'm always interested in what scares horror creators. So do you guys have any fears or phobias you feel comfortable sharing? Uh-oh. Oh, it's okay. Can't hear you. Oh, you can't hear me? Oh, no, we can't. There you go. You were just talking to yourself. <laughs> I was talking to myself, but um, I didn't think it was that soft. Uh I don't know. I don't have, I don't think I have, I don't really like gore. So it really creeps me out and like makes me feel like, whoa, on the inside. Mm -hmm. But I do have an interesting little story that I got a second degree burn Mm -hmm. last week and my finger bubbled up exactly the way that 
we had special effects bubble up skin in the movie. And I was like, what is happening? This is so crazy. Um, so that grabbed the camera and filmed it. He would have I took a couple of pictures, but you know, I it would have been fun to talk about loud screaming. It would have been good I, don't, I hate to laugh, but yeah. <laughs> right. So um so yeah, like I I it's just interesting to be around something and filming something and being like, yeah, that looks just like something being like a body part being drilled through and being like feeling so like on the inside about it. And I think um, I, I never become like necessarily like completely like, uh, like immune to it or numb to it. It always like affects me a little bit. So I don't know, I guess in that way, I am still a viewer, even while I'm directing something. And I'm sorry about your burn too. I hope, hopefully it's okay. Yeah. Thank you. It's she's just, tough. She'll be, she'll be fine. She's tough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like, I've never had a burn like that. So I didn't really know that actually like, you know, skin really does bubble up, like how we made it bubble up in Rust Belt Driller. But now I am here to confirm that. It does. There you go. Aaron, did you have an answer for Trista's question? Do you have any uh, fears that you would like to share? Yeah. I um, Bones splintering and breaking. Uh, I've been very fortunate. I've never broken a bone. Never had any major surgery outside of stuff like a root canal or like wisdom teeth, which I don't even know if you consider that major. Um, but just the, the sound of it snapping or seeing something like, you know, UFC or, you know, like a kickboxing fight where somebody, oh, God, that is brutal. That is absolutely brutal. And I have a weird kind of, I guess, almost like a sadomasochistic fear of basements. Like, you know, uh, you know, like Home Alone with Kevin. Where you know the furnace is talking to him and it's going to eat him. Uh, and where I currently live, we have this massive, massive basement with these uh, kind of back rooms that close off and all that kind of thing. And uh, I don't know. There's just always something about just being in the dark and being completely silent and being in a in a creepy basement. In Buffalo, we have a lot of basements in this area that are wet, so um, you know they're not finished off or dry. So you know it's just like a lot of brick or whatever. And if it's pouring rain, you might get a little trickle in there and all that kind of stuff. And it, it's a perfect it's a perfect setting for a, for a, an adult male to you know put stuff in the dryer and run up the stairs, which I do. <laughs> I could do a show where I am. I'm in the basement, but I put the time so you can't tell. But that's actually true. It's pretty creepy if you look on the other side. Yeah. Or maybe on this side, too. I don't know. It depends on your point of view, I guess. So uh, when you were writing it, did you always plan to play the lead? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, you know, there is, you know, there's a lot of me in this script. Um, you know, like I said, I, I took a lot from, you know, what I've dealt with, with my own mental health struggles and just, you know, what I've seen. And, um, so I always kind of had the intention of doing that also just for budgetary reasons and everything else, but I wrote it with, yeah, yeah, that was, that was always pretty much the plan. Now, how about casting the rest of the movie? You know, it's not a, you know, a ton of people in the movie, but, uh, did you cast mostly people you knew? So everyone in the film, everybody that's worked on the film, uh, you know, in front of the camera, behind the camera, uh, people, people that did everything, 
Um, everyone is local to Buffalo, New York, with the exception of the two female leads, uh, you know, Jillian Gertz and uh, Veronica and uh, Will Sh- uh, Bill Schweikert, who's my set dad. Um, he's based out of Alabama, but he actually grew up in the Finger Lakes, which is about an hour and a half away from Buffalo. So he still has some ties here. His sister actually still lives down there. His dad lives in New Jersey. So he has ties here, but he's based there. Apart from that, every single person on the film was from Western New York, which was always an intention, again, for budgetary reasons. But I always said when I shoot my first feature, it's got to be a Buffalo thing and it's got to be with Buffalo people. Um, Jillian, uh, I've known Jillian for quite a while now. She's actually worked with Dave Williams on other films. Um, the last thing she did with Dave was a really, really neat, uh, art house flick called the geometries of desire. And they also did something that kind of turned out to be a short called the Rye mother, which Tilkey was also on as far as like an intimacy coordinator and stuff like that. And I had had the, uh, Dave and I worked together on that. I edited, I, I cut. Uh, geometries of desire so when uh they screened the first part of that because that's supposed to be the second part in kind of a trilogy um and it's like a big homage to like fellini and like 60s like italian you know kind of stuff like that uh jillian came up for the screening here at the buffalo international film festival and we just started talking we got to know each other and we stayed in touch and then i ended up editing her uh, latest acting reel and um I had no one else in mind to play the part of Carol. I very selfishly, I wanted to work with her and act opposite her. Um, but she's just wonderful. I mean, she's beautiful. She's talented. She's committed. Um, she's just, she's just excellent. And then Veronica. So Bill knows her from working on some projects down South. We actually had another New York city based artist, uh, Jill, cause Jillian's from Brisbane originally, I believe it is in Australia, but she's been a New York City gal for quite a while. And we had another girl coming in from New York City that we had worked with and Tilkey and I had done all this acting work with and all this stuff. And literally six hours before they're supposed to land at Buffalo Airport and I'm picking her and Jillian up, she craps out on the film. She's like, I'm red, I have a fever, I can't make it. So 24 hours before we're supposed to have the one prep day with the lead actors and then we shoot she bails on us. So within a couple hours, Bill contacts Veronica. Dave sends her the script. Two hours later, I'm talking to her about a couple things. And then literally less than 24 hours later, I pick her up at the airport. And it couldn't have worked out better. She was amazing. She was five times the actress the other girl was. Uh, her and Tilki formed Team Tokyo, which became our, our de facto second unit. Um, again, like, you know, she was not only in the planet as a major character, but did so many other behind the scenes things on days off that she didn't have to do anything. Um, the movie just doesn't happen without the two of them the way that it was. It couldn't be more fortuitous. Um, everybody else, for the most part, Tilkey and I knew most of them just from the Buffalo acting community. Uh, Steve Jakiel, who plays Abel, uh, my character's manager, uh, he and I have worked together on stage before. He's an incredibly talented stage performer. Doesn't really have a lot of feature film experience, done commercials and stuff like that. Uh, but he was like super nervous about it. And I just said, look, it's you and me and we're just going to go do it. So, um, and that's kind of how it went for everybody else. Um, some of, you know, everybody auditioned, everybody sent them, you know, headshot, real, whatever. But the people that ended up getting cast, there wasn't much, uh, there wasn't much real competition when those people stood out. I mean, it was, it, the casting chose itself, you know, so. Um, Tilky, do you have anything to add to that? Obviously, being like our acting coach and, and helping me cast and do all that kind of stuff. Um, 
what was the question? Do we know the actors? Oh, just, just like picking the cast and just, yeah. 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 Uh, I agree. It was a little crazy when we lost, you know, one of our two lead females. But um, after talking to her on the phone, the replacement on the phone, I was like, okay, like, I feel good. Like, this is yep. great. We have someone coming in. We can continue on with production yeah, because really. it was, uh, it was like a real scramble and, you know, but it was, the solution was there and ended up, you know, really we benefited from having that particular performer. Um, but yeah, like we did, this is obviously not necessarily how it goes with film. It does with theater. You get like week, you know, however many weeks to work with your actors. Uh -oh. Uh oh, you freeze up on us. Don't the actors because is them am i can you hear me yeah oh, there you go yeah you're breaking up a little oh yeah my it says my internet connection is unstable i get that sometimes too <sighs> um where did i cut off it was only for a second but uh okay i think we're with you now yeah okay yeah i was just saying how usually you don't get to work with actors like so much before when you're doing a movie um but because we knew we had this very, obviously, indie film, like a constrained time frame, we wanted everybody to just be, like, ready to go, like, at least with their characters, you know. Um, and I'm glad that we were able to do that. I find it fulfilling, like, coaching actors. So for me, I get something out of it, you know. Uh, but I, I think it was useful to the actors, too, because the script is could be considered really wild. So like, you know, the actors are like, is this really happening? I'm like, <laughs> it, it is really happening. Whether it's really happening or not, you as an actor, it's really yeah, it happening. Right. right. Like, so I think there was in that way, it was good, you know, to have that character development in there and get people confident. Um, so I was, I was glad about that. Uh, early when I mentioned being, I've uh, been to Buffalo Dreams, you know, a few times. And what I always like about it is there's a community aspect where a lot of the filmmakers come back every year and they, they work on each other's uh, films. And uh, so how did both of you get involved in the Buffalo, um, you know, filmmaking community? I mean, it, I think there's a there's a big connection here. You know, I trained uh, theater trained at the University of Buffalo studied further for, for film kind of stuff. Um, I've always just had a, a love for movies. I got that from my father. Uh, my father and my mother met. They were both actors in their youth in the 70s. Um, so my dad introduced me to film very early on. So it's always just been a, just been a passion. Um, and then, you know, just kind of like you said, like, you know, you go to like Greg's Festival and you see, um, you know, you see this guy and this gal and this person and this person, they've all worked on each other's projects or they've all worked on multiple projects together, just like Tilkey and I have. Uh, that's just kind of the Buffalo Buffalo community. Everybody knows somebody all the time. You know what I mean? So it's kind of a cool thing about, you know, this place. And you get to learn who, who you work well with and, and who you can trust. And so, I mean, that that's it. Like I was, you know, I was watching. It's really funny. My parents wouldn't let me watch The Simpsons as a young boy because it was like the evil of America. 
but I was watching Jaws when I was five and I was watching <laughs> Rambo and all that other stuff. And they're like, oh, no, you're mature enough for that. <laughs> but it, it, it all paid off. So. <laughs> that is. Uh, Tilke, was was uh, making movies something you, you set out to do or like, how did you get involved? Um, I. So I've been acting since I was 14. I went to a performing arts high school and then I went to New York and I did my undergrad and performance and I got like and I studied in London and I performed a lot in New York but I also started doing some short films there and then I as Aaron said I moved out to the west coast and I was doing both out there and I guess for me it always kind of like it just was like oh it's an opportunity to be creative like even though I started out in film it was or sorry theater there was always like film projects especially um just being involved in whatever communities I was involved with like I I apprenticed one of my teachers for a really long time with this this work called dream work and so I moved back to Buffalo because I got sick and this is where I'm from but there was still there was like opportunities and because like Aaron said it's small here it's kind of well I don't know I think it's small all over the world I'm like I'm always like oh my god you know so and so you worked on he worked on this movie I worked on this movie you know but it's like a small community here and I I um I ended up going going to grad school here and even though I was in the performance program which was like like the theater was the underlying thing like my project was a media project (laughs) So I think I've always kind of had an affinity for it. And so then it's just, you know, always been there for me. And then more and more it has come, made its way into my life, like coming more so than even doing theater, like how I started out, even though I love theater. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tristan, do you have a question? You guys mentioned that you have a long history of working together. I'm wondering how your skill sets complement each other. Well, um, you both just did the same exact thing. Yeah, it's like I said earlier. I mean, you know, when you work together as much as we have, and that's right out of the gate. That was when we first met. Uh, when Tilkey had and you had just moved back here too, right? You'd only been back like a month or something like that when you were. Yeah, I had moved back, and then like as soon as I started feeling better, I was like, "Well, this is like a." It was like a pretty bad situation, and as soon as I started feeling better, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like maybe I can just do some theater. I might have been here for like four months because I yeah. did a show. I think at Desiderios was like my first show yeah. or something. Yeah. And then, but then the the one with you was after that. So it was like relatively quickly that I. I think that, I, th- I think that the big thing with, with Tilki and I is that we, we just inherently trust each other, you know? And like I said, I mean, doing those kinds of, doing that many shows back to back to back, literally basically spending six months together um, and, you know, cowboy mouth with the, you know, content of that and the veracity of that show. Um, and, uh, you know, Tilki, you know, Tilki is such a, she, she's such a, she's such a grounded actress. She just, she inherits, she, she just inhibits and inherits like the character's traits and she just creates 
these wonderful things. She was so much better than I was in that show. Um, you know, the, 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 the no, she really was the, the local review said, I inhibit the stage. She inhibits the world or, or, or inherits the world. And, uh, and that was correct. Like looking back on that a couple of years later, you know, really thinking about that, um, you know, and I'm, I, I think I did well with that show, but she was, she was just on another level. And, you know, but the big thing is that that all just kind of generates trust and which is most important. And especially in theater where you're with people and potentially being intimate and being close and, you know, all that kind of thing and doing that over and over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, and Buffalo shows typically run about four weeks. So, you know, you're doing that four five, six times a week, depending on the, you know, depending on the, on the place. Um, but I think that we both just have an inherent kind of understanding of, of the, I think both of us are very sensory perceptive and uh, we both interpret things very similar. Um, you know, you know, whether you want to call it metaphysical or whether you want to call it on like a spiritual level or whatever the case may be. But I think we have very similar energies and um, you just know those kinds of things. Um, we had worked on Tokyo has a project that we had done a little bit of work on that kind of got halted with all the COVID stuff um, that was very personal for her and very intimate for her. And we only got to shoot one night of us kind of together. And we just had a very basic, you know, kind of improvisational concept. And by the time we were done with it, we were both almost in tears just from that energy, you know, and that's a special thing with acting, I think, is when you're, when you're into it and you're grind, you trust your, your character, you trust your partner. Um, you know, I think that that just kind of shows itself. So that's just what it is. I think we connect on, on a, you know, on not just like a surface level. Um, and, you know, I, you know, I, I like working with talented people. She's, she's amazing. So. You still have the drill? Oh yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's right behind me. <laughs> it's a she. It's a she. That's him. true. It's That's true. And she has a name. She does. She does. She does. She's very shy though. What's really funny is that um, the bits, the, the way that they were kind of assembled or, you know, like the attaching the, the bits to the body, it was a little, a little disproportionately heavy. And what was really funny is when other people were trying to handle her or use her or, you know, it was just like a pickup thing. So I didn't need to be there. She never worked properly for anybody but me. Just going to throw that out there. She didn't work properly for anybody but me. So she's only meant for you. That's exactly. true. Exactly. You're the drill drilliest, apparently. The drill drilliest. She is, <laughs> she is the drill drilliest. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I enjoyed the commercial uh, scenes. What were they like to, to, to film? Because they seemed like they'd be very fun. Well, that was a treat. We did that. That was the last day. So, you know, we filmed this in eight days. We had the one day of, you know, kind of intimacy coordination and myself, Jillian, Veronica, Tilki, uh, you know, just kind of talking about things, going through stuff, all that kind of thing. Um, so, I mean, the, the people that were there every day, like myself, like Tilki, like Dave, like Bill, RDP, all that stuff. We easily put in 110 to 120 hours worth of work in those nine days. So this is the last day. <laughs> so we had three cameras going and we just shot, shot, shot from all those different angles. Um, and those three, uh, Andy and Christina and, uh, and, and Ro, they're just, they're just all nuts. Like they, they, they just, they just want to have fun like all the time. 
And um, so we just kind of embodied that energy. And, you know, we obviously wanted to make it like an infomercial, which I think we pulled off. And uh, we just had a lot of fun. And by the end of it, Tilkey was directing takes. I was taking, I was calling action on takes. Dave and Bill were like, you know, they were tired. So they're kind of hanging out in the back and we just kind of let it flow like that. It it was crazy. It was, it was absolutely insane. And that was like the last six hours of the production as a whole. But, uh, and, and they just kind of went with it. They had their energy, the girls, you know, the drill girls, they came up with their little twirl and kind of the way that they acted, they got together uh, before the shoot and they, they figured that all out and all that kind of stuff. And, and Andy, uh, who plays Benji Marks, you know, he has some stand-up comedian experience and stuff like that. And like I said, he was the only person, you know, we probably had a dozen people audition for that. That was it. I mean, Andy, that was it. You know what I mean? So um, again, just very fortunate with that, but yeah, that was, that was crazy, crazy. And we had three cameras. We had three cameras going at the same time. It was just like the whole shoot, just because, you know, it's indie. It's so, so much is happening, like so long. You're doing so many jobs. And then the the whole shoot was like so wild and crazy and such a roller coaster. Then to have that be like the final day, it was just like, okay, the volcano is like fully erupting right now. Like just, it was really, um, it was really wild. And I, uh, there's the only part that I would have wanted to act in the film is Benji Mark because I think that would have been the funnest part to play just because it's so over the top and wild, you know, and I think there's so much opportunity just to like, um, so some of those times when Andy was like doing things and like, messing up was like Andy messing up but like it worked for the character and for the whole infomercial so like you know uh when he like doesn't know his lines or something and like so that was you know the actor like then gonna go back into character but it was like a brilliant move for Aaron to be like oh hey like let's pull this and make this like really like a like hilarious infomercial yeah. like yeah like components. when he's yeah like when he's talking about it and he's like there's just like you know there's just stuff all over it that was you know he had you know he went to the goodwill and got some you know crappy clothes but that sport coat was his and that's a little bit nicer so he's like you know i'm just hesitant to do this because i don't want to get it dirty and then watching all the footage i'm like this is perfect for this guy to you know you know, it's, it's breaking the character, but it's not breaking the character. And it's, it's really funny. Like those are some of the best moments just because they kind of cut in and, and, and Andy was just, yeah, Andy was great with it. So. Yeah, and we had discussed the whole time that when we shot that stuff, that it was going to be like, we really wanted to embrace breaking the fourth wall anyway. So it was sort of like built into the whole thing that, you know, we're just going to have fun and play. Um. Cause at first when they were like, ah, he's like, there's blood on this. And I was like, oh my God. Cause that was possibly could have like not been good, but then it worked out because, you know, this is friends infomercial. (laughs) This isn't an infomercial for the masses. Right. So it, you know, there were some, you know, there's always those, those little magical moments that happen where you think like, 
the beauty that happens out of something that you possibly think is a mistake. You know, like when you're an actor and you're on stage and someone forgets a line, there's like a huge opportunity to create a brilliant moment there. And I think of those types of moments in the same way. Uh, Tilki, when you mentioned earlier about uh, about gore and, you know, uh, it's being off uh, putting to you, uh, uh, what is it like when you're filming the gore and, and who is who did the gore in the movie? Um, so <clears throat> a woman named Jordan did the gore in the movie. She works for a special effects studio. Uh, so she was recommended by the guy who did who was in charge of the special effects Roy, I don't know the name of the studio. Roy Kunem, uh, Soda, Soda FX. So, so yeah, we got we got lucky. Sorry, Toki. Yeah, we got really lucky because Dave is Dave uh, Williams is uh, like high school age friends with Roy. Like they go back a long, long time because Roy is originally from Rochester, I believe, which is only like an hour and a half down the road. So they they were hanging out together, you know, 30, 40 years ago doing stuff. So so yeah, so. So she, so she came because she's like part of his team. And what it was like on the film was that, you know, as we've mentioned, small, small, small crew, we lost like some PAs, like I I think maybe because they were sick. Um I can't it was seems like so long ago, it wasn't even that long ago. But you know, gore makes me feel really weird, and I ended up like just making it like making the gore, holding a drill, like having like body parts spatter on me. And there was something like sort of exhilarating because it like, you know, it gives me the contracture, but also like participating in it too, you know, it's like sort of thrilling, like because you're doing something creative, but also like you're doing something creative that like, you know, is pushing you out of your comfort zone. I also love the art in the movie, the, the art, the, uh, the paintings, mm-hmm. um, who, who did those and were they made for the, uh, the movie or were they painting someone that already had Dave's no, so, daughter? Yeah. Dave's daughter. So Dave, Dave is the father of four or five. Um, uh, but his, uh, from his current marriage, uh, with Amy, who is a wonderful lady, his uh, middle child there, Rowan, who she just graduated from high school. Um, she did all that stuff. So we talked very early on, Dave and I, in pre-production about, you know, what this guy is actually painting. Um, she did every single piece, and there's like 12 or 13 of them. I actually, the two pictures of um, of the pastor character where he's a little bit farther away in the field and then back uh, and closer to you, they're actually hanging up on my wall just to my right. I made sure I took those. Um, but, yeah, she did all of those, and she's she just graduated high school. Incredible talent. Incredible. And cranked them all out in about a month and a half. Oh, wow. Insane. Yeah. 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 I really dig those. Mm-hmm. Uh, Krista, did you have another question? I'd love to know uh, what the biggest lesson or takeaway each of you has from this film. I would say, um, you know, planning, 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 planning. Um, that's just the most important. I mean, that's for anything. I mean, obviously, on a huge budget production, you've got a thousand people running around. Um, pre-production for this, like I said, we did it in four months. Uh, um, and for about half of that, it was just myself and Dave. Uh, and then Tilkey jumped in when she kind of, when she came on as co-director, acting coach, intimacy coach, and also helping us with some production and casting. 
so it was two people for two months and then three people for another two months. Um, and uh, just just planning, planning, planning. We had considered maybe waiting until this year to actually try to raise a little bit more budget. Um, it's completely funded by myself and Dave's uh, Razor Wire Alchemy is the principal financier. Uh, and I was kind of uh, the, the secondary. Um, but, uh, you know, especially with COVID and everything, and Dave had a couple projects for this year lined up already. So he said, if we're going to do it. Let's just do it. Um, so it's just all planning. You know, it's just all planning. And uh, you just, again, trust. Trust is so essential, especially in the setup phase for anything. Um, just, you know, knowing everybody delegating roles, everybody understanding what their job is, uh, and everybody just picking up slack when you have to. Um, for anything indie, especially, obviously, um, just planning, 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 and make sure that you hire good PAs. Um, people don't realize that production assistants, you know, everybody thinks it's just kind of like the entry level job for behind the scenes stuff behind the camera so that, you know, you learn other things. And, you know, I mean, ideally a great production person, crew person, camera operator, whatever, obviously knows multiple things, but, um, hire good production assistants because we ended up not really having one. And, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, so we ended up having, uh, some really great help from other people, uh, you know, like Veronica, uh, just kind of crewing for us. Um, if you think you only need to need one PA, you actually need two and pay them, pay them. Well, um, if you have one, that's an assistant, hire another one that is a professional. Cannot emphasize that enough that that's the kind of person that you need to really make this stuff go. It's just like a stage manager, you know, people that don't know theater, great stage manager can make or break a show. You know I mean? Those are the absolute most important people. And uh, it's the same thing with like, with, with a good PA, pay those people and treat them well and planning, planning, planning. And when you think you've planned enough, you haven't even come close. That's what I would say. Uh, Tilke, did you have an answer for that question? Um, uh, piggybacking on what Aaron said, I would say that, yeah, like having, you know, we were out PAs because of of sickness and stuff, Sick. and it, and it it was a real challenge because then you know you're already doing so many jobs anyway, and then you're also doing those jobs. And so it, it, uh, I don't think I would do that again. I wouldn't choose to do that again. So hopefully the universe wouldn't, wouldn't give me that again. And I think that I learned that I really, um, I really like working with people who I can communicate really well with. And, uh, so I think, you know, communication is like really, really, really important. Um, so I, that, that's a big takeaway and I guess also I would say for me, like learning to trust myself because I, I'm good at this and I know what I'm doing. And so, you know, but sometimes you get onto set and, you know, 
something might happen or something, or maybe you're just doing too many jobs, who knows, but just who knows, you know, but I think just, you know, this was a good, this doing this project was a good reminder that I'm really good at this, which is like a great takeaway to have. So. <sighs> and feed people well too. We never did the pizza and wings thing for lunch. We fed people really, really well. And you always can tell when you're taking care of people because at lunchtime, nobody talks. They just eat. <laughs> Pizza but, and wings is the, is the staple diet of the um, region. Oh, correct. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, but not at lunch. Not at lunchtime. You guys don't know. Yeah. Not when you're working. Not when you're working 14, 15 hours a day on a film. Yeah. That's the only problem with that. Yeah. I thought, hey. I thought the, the food was beef on whack in Buffalo. That's, oh, that's part of, of it, but yeah, that's part of it. Part, yeah, the, has more of a rep. Interesting, you think that it's beef on whack, sponge candy too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, we, I mean, we're one of like the fattest communities in the country. Um, we, yeah, pizza wings, uh, chicken wings, obviously not buffalo wings. The chicken wings, they're eaten with blue cheese, not ranch. It's sacrilegious. I'm with you on that one. Yeah, yeah it's, it's sacrilegious. It's despicable. Uh, it's funny because we have Frank's Red Hot sauce here. Um, and uh, for Wing Day a couple of years ago, they used ranch in the uh, in the promotion instead of uh, blue cheese. And there was a guy locally who posted a video on Twitter of him pulling his Frank's Red Hot out of the uh, the fridge, filming himself, and he threw it in the garbage. That was the best. I mean, that's just because that's that's the correct thing to do in that respect. But uh, pizza, chicken wings, beef on whack is a big part. Um, chicken fingers. Um, you know, we don't call them chicken tenders here. We call them chicken fingers and stinger subs, which are chicken fingers and steak together uh, with like onions and cheese and all that kind of thing. So yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, Greg had a, brought us out for pizza subs, which was like. Yep. Pizza, yep. but in a sub. Yeah. In a sub. Yep. It's very interesting. Yep. Yep. I, as a man, I've worn uh, kilts in my day and I wear a lot of Hawaiian shirts. I've never thought of combining the two and I still probably won't. But I'm a big fan of the man who's wearing a Hawaiian shirt and a kilt in the movie. And I like that he's in the background. He's not focused too much. It's just uh, perfect for me. Oh, yeah. Marshall. Yeah. Marshall. Yeah. yeah and know. that's. Yeah, that that and that's a really that was a that was an interesting day. That was the only day that we had more than four or five actors in a day. Um, and all of those all of our background people, Marshall and all those people, they came so prepared and they just they were great and they were attentive. Um, that was a weird. That's a weird. day. Well, let me ask you guys as the host of the show, you know, for me watching the film, that's a really weird sequence. There's just something very bizarre about it. Um, like the timing and just kind of the atmosphere just overall. Um, you know, what, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I like that whole scene. Cause uh, it's kind of the culmination of the movie where like, you don't know Well, you kind of, to begin with, you know, when it's in his mind and when it isn't, you know, especially when there's two actresses playing, you know, his girlfriend. And then I think in that scene, there's a lot of stuff that you're not, you're not sure when it's uh, it's really in his mind or, uh, or what. So it's kind of a, kind of, you know, the build up to all of that, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. I like the scene. Good. Where was that shot in the, uh, that you use, you know, for the, uh, the art gallery. So we shot on in only two locations. Um, we shot the, the house stuff was shot in an area called Angola, 
which is about 45 minutes outside of Buffalo proper. Uh, we just had an Airbnb. It was right on the water. Um, and uh, the, our out-of-towners also stayed there. So it doubled as our kind of kind of nest. And then the other, uh, everything else was shot at this old, old food processing plant um, going towards South Buffalo that had been kind of just desolate for a long time. And the current owner has been slowly revitalizing it. And I said, I mean, when I say massive, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of rooms and build and you know a dozen buildings and just you know all the all those tunnels and everything that you see in 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 the flick um yeah that was all shot on location in one spot all that stuff was it was crazy really crazy really super cool super cool when dave and i were scouting it um because the scene that's in the shop like in the shop itself that that shop like in the opening shot we actually linked up with the guy that runs that shop, uh, Brian, who builds these crazy, uh, crazy sheds and does all kind of woodworking. Uh, and then he introduced us to Matt, who who, who is the owner and, and kind of the, who runs the runs the place. Um, and we were walking through some of those tunnels, and in one of the big areas in the basement, there's no explanation for it, but there's just a wheelchair there. So remember when I said session nine was one of my big influences. Uh, overall, the wheelchair, if you're familiar with Session 9, the wheelchair, you know, that Gordon C. Peter Mullen sees over and over again, it was just there. There's no reason for it. There's absolutely no context for it. This wheelchair was there. Dave goes, well, there's your Session 9. And so that was it. We had to shoot there. <laughs> had to do it. That's really weird. Actually, yesterday, I, I go for walks every day, and I was in up in these trails that I go in, and there was a wheelchair in the trail. I thought it was it was just sitting there. He was a there. wheelchair. I don't know. But. Just there. Yeah. Uh, Trissa, do you have another question? Do you guys have any other upcoming projects you'd like to talk about? I have something that is going to be playing at a local festival here. It's a short film. It is not a horror film. It's called, I mean, that's some fun. ways it's about a horrific part of history so maybe it is a horror film um so it's a short film called queer suffragist and it's about all the history of the personal lives of suffragists that were erased in the name of being respectful to these um women and possibly non-binary identifying individuals who fought for women's right to vote so it, I won a proposal from PBS to make it and it's playing online, but it's also going to play at a festival here called Micromania, which is five minutes and under short film. So it'll be playing in September at like a few different venues, but you can also just, I don't know if I'll send you guys a link, you can post it maybe yeah. with this also yeah, if people are interested yeah so that is a like a documentary with um animated archival images very cool uh for me i'm actually going to be working on the uh, buffalo's 48 hour film project is this weekend so i'm working with a couple of guys that i knew uh my friend brian who I went to school with at University of Buffalo. Um, so we've known each other for the better part of 20 years. So I'm going to be uh, directing that for him. Uh, I'm working on the next script that I'm going to figure out a way to tie it into Rust Belt Driller. I, I'm big on kind of overarching universe stuff. 
Um, and there's a couple of characters in this that I think can translate over to um, it's the best way to describe that is it's like the thing uh, meets shivers meets the graveyard shift. So, um, you know, yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated by the concept of like body horror uh, and we address, you know, and that, and you know, Rust Belt Driller has that to an extent. Um, but this one, you know, I want to, you know, slugs and brain worms and yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah I'm, I'm all for it uh, by the way i really like the poster art for uh for your movie thank you yeah that's uh that's by a guy his name is mark kosoboski uh, i probably butchered his name uh he's uh out of erie pennsylvania which is only about an hour and a half down the road uh from buffalo uh someone that i had been an acquaintance with last year uh, mentioned him because he had done some work for her roller derby stuff that she was doing in Erie. So I hit him up and there it is. Yeah. He's, he's amazing. Fantastic stuff. We, we wanted to kind of have a little bit more of a retro feel, um, but obviously let him just kind of do his thing too. So I gave him inspiration like the taxi driver poster, which is, you know, where, where Travis Bickle's just kind of staring outside of his cab, uh, eating alive, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, just kind of th- things like that. And then he just kind of took the, took the wheel of the ran. So super cool. Yeah. His, his stuff was awesome. Awesome. Yeah, no, definitely. And, uh, David couldn't be here, but, um, we wish him well. We understand he's the, got some issues, but we hope he's doing well. And, um, uh, you didn't mention, you know, talked about him, but, uh, how did he get involved in the movie? Is uh, someone else that you guys are, are friends with and in, in the community? Yeah. So Dave and I have known each other. 15 years, more or less. Uh, I first met David uh, on one of his kind of micro B-horror movies that he did called uh, Red Scream Vampires back in 2006. Now, I think something like that. Uh, And I had a small part in that. We got to know each other. And over the next couple years, um, you know, I had a a part in a couple different things. He did his kind of like steampunk version of Nosferatu. And then we did a movie uh, called Cleric. Uh, which is where uh, Bill Schweikert came into the mix. Bill was the DP on that, um, and he he had the Red One, which in 2007 was pretty you know pretty crazy, especially for a guy doing indie stuff. And Bill and I just kind of bonded over that. And then Dave has worked with Bill pretty much on almost every f- film that he's done since then. So um, and like I said, I called Bill my set dad. He he did some short films with me. Um, that I had done for a concept a couple of years back. Um, he's one of the only people that can yell at me, and I just go, yes, Dad. Yes, Dad. <laughs> and I reminded him of that because there was a time when I when we did those projects six, seven years ago now already. Um, you know, I was just a little indecisive on a shot. We did a shot, and then we're setting up for another one, and I wanted one more angle, and he yelled at me. And he said, you know, this is wasting time. So I reminded him of that this time when I said, let's get one more shot before you move the camera. I learned something <laughs> and we shot this on uh, black magic uh, pocket twos. Uh, we had two, we had two cameras going at all times. And like I said, for the Benji Mark stuff, for the uh, infomercial stuff, there were three cameras. So uh, yeah, just real fast, fluid moving. And uh, so, yeah, everybody, you know, Tilkey and I have known each other for over 10 years. Dave and I have known each other for 15 years. Bill's known us for 13 years, you know, so it all goes, it, it's pretty relative. Yeah. So uh, had, the 20, oh, go on, sorry, Tilky. Sorry, no, I, I had intimacy coordinated something. And so they initially 
that was the ask for me to come aboard and do this because I had worked with Dave in that capacity before and then it developed into doing that as well as the other stuff co-directing so the 27th uh 1155 because it can be confusing if I say the 27th on midnight because that yeah, right. technically <laughs> be yeah. the next day but yeah 1155 the midnight show and um what was that like when you found out you're the midnight showing at Dances with Film? Pretty incredible, man. You know, I mean, that's that's what it's all about to, uh, you know, get it out there. And, uh, you know, hopefully this is a, a big step for all of us. Um, you know, I mean, it's obviously it's, it's a pretty prestigious thing. We're very honored to do that. And uh, but I think we deserve it. I think we made a good piece and uh, everybody worked hard on it. And, uh, you know, I, you know, as you know, you know, this is my film and Dave's film, really, and you know, and Tilkey's as well. I couldn't be happier with everything that came out of it. You know, um, you know, it's one of those things where it's always easy to go, man. If we had a little more money, or man, if we had a day or two more, or man, if this could have just been pulled off. And we had a couple of things like that that didn't quite work. What are you going to do? You got to you got to figure it out, right? Shooting in eight days, so um, all things considered, and really reflecting on everything, we just had such a great group of people. Everybody bought into it. And everybody had a lot of fun, and uh, this is the this is the payoff, you know. And I and I think we deserve that. I think we I think we earned that, and uh, super exciting. It's just it, it, there's no yeah. That's just it, man. That's what it's about. Yeah, and um, I had a lot of fun watching it. So I think uh, when you guys are watching with a, with an audience, it's going to be a good time. I could you awesome. know think that'll be a fun experience, and and uh, yeah, hope you guys have a good time when you get you're out there in LA. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. We really enjoyed this. Well, I did. I'll speak for Aaron. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> Trista, really are you are you out there? You're in Los Angeles? Yeah, yeah. 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 We you know, we would love for you to be there so we can meet you and and, and kind of do all that too. So if you can, if it's not past your bedtime, by all means, oh. come on. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'll make it if I can, certainly. What a great festival, um, and right in the heart of Hollywood. So Absolutely. I'm thrilled for you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks both for doing this. Yeah, no yeah. problem. Anytime. Thank Bye. you so much. Bye. Bye. From ancient terrors to the search for modern-day conspiracies, the tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old-world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. Ripley, we should have listened. Sitting here on a lie. Now we're gonna die. The tomb of Nick Cage. They're Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Tomb of Nick Cage. They're